the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To find someone who loves Jesus more than they love you? Shouldn't you find that? Shouldn't you want that? Shouldn't you long for that? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I wonder how many times when we give to the Lord that we give Him our leftovers. We give Him what we don't need. We give Him what doesn't cost us anything. But Abraham and David said, I will not take anything that costs me nothing. Abraham loved Sarah to the end. See, that's how marriage is supposed to be. You come into a covenant relationship and you love them to the end. You ever see someone who's been married 50, 60 years? Just recently, a few months ago, I can't remember if the guy died first or the woman died, but they were married like 60 some odd years and the husband died and like three hours later, the wife dies. They're just like, we're done. It's like, we, I, I love them to the end, and then that was it. How many times do we see that? Elderly person, the one mate dies, and you know, within a couple months, the other one dies. It's just like, you know, we're done. They loved each other to the end. Let's jump over to Genesis 24. Picking up in verse 1, it says, Now, Abraham was old. Oh, I guess so. Advanced in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, this was Eleazar, if you go back to like chapter 15, he had been in charge of all that he owned. Please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I live, but you shall go back to my country to my relatives and take a wife for my son, Isaac, verse five. And the servant said to him, well, suppose the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land where you came from? Verse six, then Abraham said to him, beware, lest you take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth and who spoke to me and who swore to me saying to your descendants, I will give this land and he will send his angel before you and you will take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this, my oath. Only do not take my wife back there. God made a promise to me that he was going to give us this land, which ended up being Israel, which ended up being where Jerusalem is, the city of God. I'm not going back there. My son's not going back there. The woman that is for my son will follow him in the promises that God made. 
Notice in verse 1, we're told that God blessed Abraham in every way. That means that Abraham was not only blessed spiritually, but he was also blessed physically. He became a rich man. Know this, Christian. God blesses obedience. And yes, we like to hear that, don't we? We like to be blessed. Yet, let's not forget that God's blessings are based on our obedience. There's preachers that will tell you, you must claim the promises of God. You must stand on there and God wants you to have a bigger house and a nicer car and and riches and all of these things and, and just claim it in the name of Jesus. It's like, uh, stop preaching half truths. Stop preaching half truths. God blesses obedience. You can claim whatever you want to claim. You can stand on the Bible, throw your Bible down. Stand, I stand on this. I, I claim this in this new car and this. And God blesses obedience. That's what he blesses. It's the man or the woman who obeys God's word. It's the man or the woman who obeys God's will. Our second point is talking about seeking God's best. If we desire to know the will of God, then God will bless. But the question is, do you desire to know the true will of God? Are you willing to accept his will over your will? And if you are, then we must study his word to know what God's will is. Because God's will is clearly spelled out in his word. How he desires us to live. What is right and what is wrong. And it doesn't change with a presidential change. God's word never changes. What was sin 5,000 years ago, what was sin 2,000 years ago is still sin today. Doesn't matter what laws are passed. It doesn't matter any of these things. God tells us in his word what is right and what is wrong, and God never changes. And as we read his word, we are called to obey it. We must do what God's word says to do, regardless of what culture or society says. That's why James said in James 1.22, But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Prove yourselves doers of the word. So when you say, yeah, but you know, our cultures change, people change. And so I'm a Christian, but yet I'm doing these things. It's like, hold on. God never changes. Well, yeah, but it's okay. Now everyone's doing this. Now doesn't matter. If you do not obey the truth of God's word, then you say, it says in James 1:22 that you are deluding yourself. You are deceiving yourself. You're calling yourself a Christian. And again, like it says in 1 John 1, 6, if you say that you know him, but yet you walk in darkness, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. That's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, there will be many that come to me in that day in heaven. And they'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things in your name? Oh, we, we fed the hungry. We rescued dogs. We did all these wonderful things. And he'll say, depart from me. You cursed creature, I never knew you. Ouch. Why? Because you read God's word, but you weren't a doer of God's word. For example, many who have who are who are having difficulties in their marriage, they might be praying, God, what should I do? 
I don't love this person anymore. It's like, I want to leave. I need to start over again. I just need to start from scratch. Oh, God, what is your will? Well, if you read God's word, you would know clearly what God's will is. God says he hates divorce. Well, I don't want to read that part. It's not going with my narrative. It's not going with what I desire and what I want. God hates divorce. But some say, but I deserve someone who will love me. Someone who can appreciate me. I'm not being esteemed in this marriage any longer. God wouldn't have me to be beat down like this. God wouldn't want me to not be loved. Listen, God commands us to love each other. But here's the problem. God's definition of love is completely different than our definition of love. See, our definition of love deals with with feelings and and emotions and, and affections. God's definition of love is without condition. Love without condition. God's love is love in spite of you. It's very different than our love. See, our love gives expecting a a payback. I pat your back and you pat mine. You exalt me and I'll exalt you. That's how our love works. But God's love doesn't work like that. God loves us in spite of us. See, we love God's love, don't we? When we go to God, because why? We're sinners. We mess up. We mess things up. And then we go to God and we're just a mess. God, I'm a mess. And then he puts us all back together. And he esteems us and loves us. And, oh, we love his kind of love. It's like, man, because why? Because God loves us warts and all, right? He loves us when we're all dressed up and we're all pretty and we feel good. And he loves us when we're just hanging over the sink and we're death warmed over, been in sin. We're a little stinky. Isn't it amazing how stinky these bodies can get? And we have deodorant. We got sprays. We got Victoria's Secret splash on. That's for the women. Just saying. Okay. But uh, you know, we have all of these things. And we smell good and all of this. We have colognes. We have, we have all of this stuff. What does it do? It's there to block how stinky these bodies are. You can take the most killer shower, hot shower, 90, 100 degrees. And you come out, you're just all clean deodorant, you know, to make up the perfume. That's just everything. And everything's good. And then... 12 hours later, you stink. Okay, that's it. It's like you stink. It's just the way it is. But see, we come to God no matter how we are, and he loves us the way we are. Again, warts and all. But with us receiving that love for us, God expects us to love our spouses the same way. See, we like to receive it. Oh, we just don't want to give it that way. Okay, but that's what God calls us to do. I'll always love you, God says, and I'll always forgive you. But I'm expecting you to love your spouse and to forgive them the same way. Maybe your marriage is going through a rough season right now. And the reason I say season, because it's not been a week or a month. Oh, it's been a while. Oh, my marriage is just, it's been on the rocks for a while. I don't even forget about, you know, do I love this person? I don't even like them. Okay. Forget about all that. Okay. And it's like, it's been that way for a long season, but think back to your wedding vows. Think back when you're standing before each other, one of your vows said for better or for worse. And right now 
Obviously, it's worse because it's not better right now. But love your spouse as unto Jesus. Become a servant to your spouse just as Jesus was a servant to us. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples when they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest in heaven. So here's Jesus on his way to be crucified. And the disciples are arguing, who's going to be the greatest? I think it's me. I'm Peter. I'm the rock. James and John, we're the sons of thunder. You know, it's like Matthew. Well, I used to be a tax collector, but I think I'm going to be the best in heaven. I mean, they're all arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Mark 10, 45 says, Jesus speaking, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you want to be like Jesus? Then you can't expect to be served. You have to become a servant. Husbands were to love our wives. That's why in Colossians 3, he says, husbands, love your wives. Don't be embittered towards them. You got bitterness towards your wife? Get rid of the bitterness. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what she did. You know what she treats me. You don't know. God said, don't be embittered towards them. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, live with your wives in an understanding way. Why? Because no one can understand a woman. You women can't understand you, okay? You have books on women trying to figure out women. You can't figure yourselves out. And how are we, clueless men, supposed to figure you out when you don't know yourself? But what does God say? Live with them in an understanding way. Just go with it. Okay, it's one of those days. Okay, well, all right. I love you, honey. <laughs> it's like, just, just go with it. The Bible says, don't be embittered towards her. And live with her in an understanding way. And you wives, God says, submit to your husbands, not because they're greater than you, not because they're smarter, not because anything other than the fact that God put the husband as the head of the home. He says, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Well, Lord, I'll submit to him when he starts acting like you. That's not what he said. (laughs) That's not what he said. Submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Respect your husband. Encourage him. You're thinking, how am I going to respect him? He, he does nothing around here. Find something to encourage him. You would not believe how much the encouragement of a woman goes with their husband. I have a little letter in my Bible. It's just, it's just right here. And my wife wrote it to me, I don't know, 20 years ago. And I, pull, I shouldn't even know this, but I, I kept it. It's in my Bible. And I pull it and I read it every now and then. And she says, oh, you're... You're going to work this morning and just want you to know I'm praying for you today. I love you. God, I just, I'm so proud of you. And it's just like, you wouldn't believe how far that goes. But pastor, you understand there's nothing I can thank my husband for. We'll find something. (laughs) Honey, thank you for taking the trash out. Honey, thank you for picking up the dog dung. Find something. Honey, thank you for putting your dirty, nasty socks in the clothes hamper. Just find something. It'll go a long ways. And if you do these things, I can promise you that God will not only restore your marriage, but he will bless it. 
And for those of you who are single, who are seeking to know the will of God, you're looking for this future marriage partner. Well, here's the will of God for you. Stop looking in the world. Stop looking through the eyes of the world. Stop looking at all the half-hearted, so-called slack-jaw wannabe Christians. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. No fruit in their life, no spiritual fruit whatsoever. Oh, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, I believe in God. No, no. Hello? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be bound together or unequally yoked with a non-believer. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? That word bound in a New American Standard are unequally yoked. It comes from a Greek word that's talking about this yoke on like two oxen. So you got two big ox that are pulling a plow, plowing a field. So you got two ox, so you have this, this yoke that goes between the two ox, and then the plow is connected to the yoke. So the two ox are just, you know, pulling that plow. To be unequally yoked would be like having an ox in a toy poodle. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that the one ox is having to do all the work and the torpedoes doing nothing. So if you go into a relationship with a man or a relationship with a woman that's unequally yoked, one of you is going to be doing all the work trying to make this marriage work and the other's not. That's what God is telling you. We see this principle demonstrated right here in Genesis 24. In verse 3, Abraham did not want his son to have a wife from the Canaanites. Why? Because they didn't know the Lord. They were worldly in all of their actions. And shouldn't all of you singles want the same here today? To find someone who loves Jesus more than they love you? Shouldn't you find that? Shouldn't you want that? Shouldn't you long for that? And when you find the person who loves Jesus more than they love you, see, that's the keeper. That's the keeper. That's why you should be looking around. Why not find someone in church? I'm just saying, look, this is a good place to start looking to find someone that's trying to grow in the relationship with Christ like you are. Yes, true love knows the will of God. And Abraham was certain that God would bless in this area. He knew the right girl would be found and the evidence would be that she would come back with his servant Eleazar, which brings up our third point, praying for guidance. It says in verse 10 of Genesis 24, then the servant took 10 camels from the camels of Abraham, his master, and he set out with a variety of goods, all kinds of special gifts of his master in his hand. He arose and he went to Mesopotamia and the city of Naar, and he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time, in the time when the women go out to draw water. Verse 12, and he said, O Lord, oh, he's in prayer. The God of my master, Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master, Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, may it be that the girl to whom I say, please let down your jar, your jar so that I may drink and who answers drink and I will water your camels also. He's praying this. Then there's a pause in the Hebrew. May she be the one whom thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And by this, I shall know that thou hast shown loving kindness to my master. Verse 15. 
And it came about before he had even finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahar, came out with her jar on her shoulder. And the girl was very beautiful, a virgin. And no man had had relations with her. And she went down to the spring and she filled her jar and she came up. And then the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me have a drink, a little water from your jar. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly lowered her jar to the hand and gave him a drink. Now, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they have finished drinking. Wow. Notice when seeking God's direction, we must always seek God. You want God's direction in your life? You must seek him. You must pray. Abraham's servant went to the source of life. He went to the creator himself and he prayed. Know this, God loves us and he has our best interests in his plan. Remember, God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And without question, his plan is so much greater than our plan. Let me ask you today, have you made it a habit of not praying about every issue of life? Like you don't pray about every issue. Oh, you know, God, I got this. I got this. It's okay. How's that been working out for you thus far? Understand, every time we leave God out of our plans and our narrative, we're risking getting farther and farther away from his perfect will for our lives. It's been said that God's ears lie close to the believer's lips. Oh, God wants to hear your voice. And what kind of plans does God have for us? And does he really listen to our prayers? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your hearts. But you have to remember, Jeremiah 29, it sounds so good. And everyone that was listening to it come out of Jeremiah's mouth, it wasn't for any of them. Why? Because the nation of Israel had sinned so greatly against God. They allowed all the things like our country is allowing right now. They allowed it all to happen there. And so they were never going to have this prayer. That prayer wasn't for them because they're getting ready to be taken captive by Babylon. Babylon is on the way down to conquer them as this is coming out of Jeremiah's mouth. They're going to be taken captive. They're going to lose their country. God's chosen people. How could he allow that to happen? Because of great sin. Don't think it can't happen here in America. And it's like, so they're swept away. They're gone for 70 years. The only ones that are partaking of this are the little children that are going to be old by the time they come back 70 years later. So some of them partook of it, the little children, but it was a whole new generation. 
Yes, God has the same plan, though, for us as he had for Abraham and Isaac, a plan with a future, a plan with hope. Yes, more than just a plan, but a promise to hear our prayers when we call upon him. Yes, when we call out to the Lord, he will listen to us when we call to him with all of our heart. Let me ask you, when you pray, do you pray like you mean it? Do you pray passionately? God, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of what's going on. I'm tired of my singleness. I'm tired of, I'm tired of what's happening in my marriage. It's like, okay, then pray and change. Be who God wants you to be. Have obedience in your life. And that's how Abraham's servant prayed. He prayed fervently. He prayed desperately, Lord, I want to bless my master. Lord, don't let me mess up. Let me pick the right girl. And notice verse 15, that before he was finished praying, it sounded like he was kind of having his eyes open while he's praying. Oh, Lord, which one is it here? I got all the girls coming out here drawing water. Oh, my goodness. This one's got like a little halo on her head. There's like a bright light on this one. Look how beautiful she is. Oh, my goodness. It's like, Lord, is this the one? Which one is it? It's even before he was finished praying. And here comes Rebecca. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 